0: Welcome to God and Narcissism, where we talk about how narcissistic abuse impacts your relationship with yourself, others, God, and the church.
1: We are three mental health therapists with different spiritual backgrounds who graduated from seminary and are all survivors of narcissistic abuse. I'm Sam.
0: I'm Mia. And I'm Presley. This,
1: this is God and in narcissism.
0: narcissism. Hey, welcome to the first episode of God and Narcissism. Today we're just kind of go through our origin stories of like how this came to be um and then define narcissism a little bit what do we mean when we say that what do we not mean because there's so much information out there um and then give you a little sneak peek into what's to come
1: so starting out here presley what made you want to get into this like why are we doing this for you like how did this start out with your journey in narcissism spirituality or any of that
0: yeah so um I always got asked the question growing up, like, what happened to you? Were you abused? And like, the more ways that are talked about, like physical abuse. Um, And I always was like, no, uh, I don't know why I'm the way I am. But I had all these symptoms of somebody who grew up with um, developmental abuse. And so um, I guess my journey into figuring out what actually did occur in my childhood um, was a trauma course that we were taking at the seminary that we went to. Um, and the professor was talking about covert abuse and like growing up with covert abuse, which means abuse that's more covered up or not as obvious. And a part of me was really resonating with it. And then another part of me was really freaking out as to why I was resonating with that. Um, And I had kind of spotted this girl on campus, Mia, um, who I instantly was like obsessed with, not in a weird way, but I was just like, I need to be your friend. I need to get to know you. And whenever she talked, I just always felt myself like really resonating with what she was saying. Mm -hmm. Um, And so after class, I went to talk to her and she knew already um, kind of what her story was and she kind of encouraged me to look into maybe that's a possibility of what happened to me. And so, um, got with a therapist who specialized who specialized in adult children of narcissists. Um, and the rest is kind of history. And then I just found myself really connecting with, um, Mia and Sam of like having similar experiences. That I didn't feel anyone else really totally understood. Um and I just thought there has to be so many more people out there that aren't finding people. Um and I just really wanted to get the information um out to like a more you know, public setting and here we are.
2: Wow. Okay, what about you, Sam? So for me, uh Mia since you're my sister and we also have another sister, um I was kind of wondering why we were all so similar even though we're super different people we all had very similar symptoms and I was wondering like what happened to us kind of the same with you Presley is that like we didn't have any history of physical abuse or like any very overt abuse it was but we had like all the same symptoms of people who had been through that stuff and I was like why is this why is this happening this doesn't make sense so I started looking up online um, like all of our different symptoms and found a website with a list of symptoms and it connected it to narcissistic abuse. And I don't even know what the website was. I can't find it anymore, but I started researching more and that's when I figured out, Oh, I think this is actually what happened. I
1: remember when, this is Mia. I remember when you came to me and was talking to me about stuff. I was in undergrad. I was in, um, college for music at the time and I was I still had a relationship um, with our parent who was our narcissistic abuser and I remember feeling really off but I still had a lot of attachment stuff going on I was kind of the last one holding on and so you were the person I trusted the most so when you started talking about hey I think some of this narcissistic abuse stuff might be something to look into it really shook my whole world, because then it felt like choosing between her and between you. And I knew I trusted you more than anybody else. I didn't trust that person at all. But um, over time, I guess I started going through like cycles of denial and acceptance. And it wasn't until I was sitting in the same trauma class with you, Presley, And our professor went through this PowerPoint of 20 traits of narcissistic abuse and every single one was a hit for me and I was just like cut very deeply by what I saw. And I remember it was the first time that I started like crying in a class, which was really embarrassing for me because I was so persuaded at that point it was like, no, Sam was right. And it took off from there and our conversations got really intense. And we've been figuring it out ever since.
0: How many years ago would you say that class was? I don't remember. Let's see. That was probably 2018. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So four years later, here we are. Yeah. That's yeah. true. Yeah. So what about um, getting into the podcast? Like, what kind of convinced you all to be a part of it and, you know?
1: I would definitely say you, Presley. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You uh, you had the great idea to go, let's share this to someone with someone else. And Sam, you had started some things online that I saw. Writing a blog. Yeah, writing a blog. And it was really impactful. And I always had that itch of like, I want to communicate this. Mm-hmm. And not just to my clients, but I wanted to commu- communicate this to other people like me. How am I going to do that? And Presley, you just kind of had that answer. And Sam, you were kind of like the stepping stone.
0: Yeah, it was definitely Sam's blog that I would send to my friends and be like, I really want to talk to you about this article over coffee because it would make me feel really seen and understood, especially in a church setting. Um, and I found myself utilizing Sam's writing to just ground myself to be like, you're not crazy. Of course you're feeling this way. That makes sense why you're experiencing that and no one else is. Um, and I just had this like desire to get it out more because... People don't really read blogs as much anymore, though it's absolutely fantastic. So, um, yeah. My question is, you know, everyone's doing stuff on
1: narcissism right now. It's like a huge buzzword. Mm -hmm. Why are we doing God and narcissism?
2: I think especially for us, since we all had a parent that was a narcissist. Like, when you grow up with a parent who treats you like a certain way you kind of learn that that's how relationships work and like god is a relational god and he created us to live in relationship so when you grow up learning that oh this is how relationships work you carry that naturally into how you relate with god so i know at least for me growing up with a narcissistic parent it really impacted my own relationship with God, and it was a struggle relating with God and the church and myself and everything involved with spirituality because of what I learned growing up.
1: Mm. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things where when I do find stuff on how narcissism impacts your spirituality, I just get a bunch of people who went through the pain I did with God and the church and left. I don't get a lot of people who stayed and tried to work it out or tried to say, you know, what are we really saying in these passages or in the church? Is there a problem with the church we need to address? Can you still keep your faith while you do that? I wasn't really finding that. Mm -hmm. And I feel like our seminary background really kind of prepared us for that.
0: Yeah. um, I think my realization that it was impacting me with the church is I was often walking away from sermons feeling really mad and angry or just really shame-filled. And I just knew in my gut because of the therapy I'd been doing that God was not someone who was wanting me to carry a bunch of shame Um, and definitely not a God that parents out of shame. And I just felt like I kept receiving that message but then when I would ask other people what they heard, they weren't hearing the same thing I was. Um, and I just was so frustrated and was like, why can't you hear that you're teaching these people this thing? Right. Um, and so trying to like validate my experience while holding that that's not what they were trying to do at the same time was really hard. Cause I think you just kind of gaslight yourself because that's what you experienced in the relationship of like, well, no one else is hearing it that way. So you are the problem when really it's my understanding of relationship and my history of relationship that is just hurting that part of me. And not that the hurt part is a problem, but the hurt part hears it in a distorted way. Um, and so that's where I would go back to Sam's blogs and read it and be like, of course it sounded that way, you know, and have to talk myself through it, which is, can be really exhausting to do alone. Um, so yeah, but I'm choosing to stay in the church. And yes, like you said, um, they have either left or you don't find people in the church who are getting it the same way. Um, yeah. Yeah,
1: I remember um, after a seminary sermon I heard... <laughs> You and I both looked at each other, and we were both kind of teary because mm-hmm. we were so triggered. Yeah. And that's the benefit I had was I grew up with a sister who was in the same stuff I did, and, and Sam and I are pretty close. So we could always go and try and work this out together. You know, I heard this. What did you hear? And we'd both be very mad or very triggered and very hurt. Um, And finding you was like oh, there's another one. (laughs) (laughs) And that was so validating because it's like, what if Sam and I are just in this weird trauma bubble and we can't think outside of it and we're just, you know, it's the gaslighting yourself thing, like you said. Mm -hmm. Um, So it it was terrible but also refreshing to see that you were impacted the same way. And I think, to your point, um, yeah, there's so much distortion that we have when we're listening to sermons or reading scripture now And then there are some things in the church that I am legitimately mad about because I don't think it's nuanced enough and it's hard to parse that out What
0: what is me and what is them. Right. Because they are also sinful people who are making choices that we wouldn't agree with even without the narcissistic abuse in our lives. So yeah. And then you have the ones who are narcissistic who are in the
2: church. (laughs) Yeah. That makes everything even more complicated.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So we're not really here for, like, talking about narcissists in the church, because I feel like there is a lot of really good information. Yes, so much on it. But we really do feel like there's this piece of being a member of the church with this background that's missing. Exactly. (laughs) So I think it's important for our listeners to know kind of what background we come from um, in our religion and denomination and kind of where we're at now.
1: Okay, so... Sam and I, we, since we grew up together, we have some similarities in that, and then we diverge a little bit, um, but we were a church-hopping family, so we started out with, like, Anabaptist roots, and then went more community church, non-denominational, we tried almost everything, really, um, and we ended up Presbyterian, And then in college, I joined a Methodist church because uh, they had a singing program there. And I kind of had a Bible church theology, though, so when I came to seminary, I went to a Bible church. Now, though, I am Eastern Orthodox, so I made, like, a complete change. And that's really frustrating when you've spent four years at seminary, a Protestant seminary, and then you're like, you know what? I'm just going to do something else. (laughs) I wrote a huge paper on what I believed and then changed it. But I still hold a lot of the same theology, and I'm just kind of adding to it now. I think Eastern Orthodoxy provided me a way out of the jargon I grew up in that was used against me, and having it be said in a different way has been refreshing for me. But I also left for, you know, other personal reasons. But that was really helpful to just get a whole new spin on God's love and the church and words that uh weren't ringing in my ears from so much
2: abuse. Sam would
1: you have anything to add to that?
2: Um I mean yeah basically we church hopped a lot tried everything there was some charismatic churches CMA like basically everything out there we tried. House churches mega churches. churches, Yeah um and then I ended up in a bible church too and I was there for a couple of years um but i started having like a lot of struggles there especially cuz that was around the time when i had been researching more about narcissism so i was angry a lot i just couldn't understand the sermons and kind of like what you were saying earlier presley i like i was looking around at other people and i'm like why isn't this happening to everyone else too they're not hearing what i'm hearing so i tried to stick it out for a long time and after a while, like, it just got to be way too difficult, and I ended up leaving that church, and now I'm in a much smaller church, which is non-denominational and a lot more nuanced, thankfully. Yeah, what about you, Presley?
0: Um, so I grew up in two churches, so long-term members of two separate churches. Um, the parent that was the narcissistic one is a diehard Baptist and so we grew up at one Baptist church and then she went on a retreat with the new pastor there and he wasn't Baptist enough. So then we kind of went to churches until we found this Baptist mega church that we ended up going to. Um and I never really trusted the pastor. I didn't really like it. Um but you know I kind of view my parents as like worshiping the pastor more than God. Um, but I left that church like halfway through seminary. Um, and then I went to a non-denominational church because we found out halfway through seminary, you have to be a member of a church for a while and get signatures. (laughs) Yeah. Um, in order to graduate. And so to be completely honest, I didn't really want to be at a church, but I, wanted to graduate. So I volunteered. I mean, I volunteered hard, right? Because it's like, you don't have needs. You don't get anything from the church. If you are, you're sinful. You, at least from the narcissistic perspective of like, you don't exist, but you lay down your life. You serve the church. You're a servant for the church or for Jesus, however you want to say it. Erase Um, yourself. Erase yourself, which we don't agree with now that's very much how I operated. Um, but that was in the middle of me going to therapy and kind of figuring this stuff out. And so that was really hard to stay in that environment and work through some things. So as soon as I graduated, I took a break for two years, um, while I was healing anyway. So, um, I just this summer reentered back into the church, um, because of my relationship with God actually and the healing that's happened there. And um I'm now at a point where I'm like, I have a really hard time. I'm really angry. It's really triggering to go. And I really value the church and community and want to work it out while being in the church. Um and so yeah, that's kind of where I'm at um now. And that church happens to be a part of the Baptist umbrella, though they're thinking about leaving because of some of the things that have occurred. Um you know
1: sam how would you say you're spiritually doing currently in your church
2: um i would say like i'm very not like super involved but pretty involved in my church but like as far as my personal faith i tend to go back and forth a lot um kind of the same way that i do with my narcissistic parent like wondering sometimes like are they a narcissist did anything happen is it just me or like then the next day believing like yeah something happened and they are highly narcissistic I kind of do the same thing with God where like I go back and forth based on the day like um but yeah that's kind of where I am now yeah I I have some similarities with that
1: I kind of feel like I'm two different people I have Moments where I'm really involved in church, I feel like I'm healing there, in fellowship, a great relationship with God, and then I have these moments where I'm just totally triggered, I feel either unworthy, and therefore I shouldn't be there, or I shouldn't be around God, and therefore I want to distance from Him, or I'm terrified of Him, and I want to hide And then I'll have to flip through a bunch of scriptures and resources or talk to you guys and try and get back into it. But when it's over, it's over. It's like being hormonal. It's just done. Mm -hmm. And then the cycle comes back around again. And those are really deep, dark places where I kind of psych myself out. And I'm doing miserably. And I start to wonder, you know, how safe is God? Or am I just so terrible? I can't see what everyone else sees. Therefore, I should just back out. But the faith is always still there. I still believe in God. I still believe in Christ. It's just how I'm interacting with that and how I view myself in light of that that keeps changing.
0: Yeah, I really like how you explained that. Um, And something that I struggled with for years that I hear other people say is like, I'm going to be found out. People are going to figure out that I'm not a Christian, that I don't believe in God. Um, And they're going to, you know, just... I'm going to get exposed um, and I'm going to find out something that I'm terrified to find out about myself. Right. Like deep down, I feel like I'm the problem. If they kicked me out of the church, all their problems would go away. Everyone wish would have a better time if I weren't there. Mm -hmm. Um, But then it's like, if I found that out, it almost would feel like, yeah, that is right. It almost would feel relieving. But then it's also like your worst fear come true at the same time, which is like really weird to feel. Um, and then kind of like on the flip side thinking, well, that's really narcissistic that like, you're the one problem and you're the one solution to get rid of you. Right. So then you think, (laughs) oh, am I a narcissist? So it is exhausting and it's exhausting to work through that alone. And I get why a lot of people end up walking away, um, with these really harmful messages. And then like, it's just like, why am I putting myself through this like terrorizing pain all the time?
1: I identify with that pretty deeply. Even coming to Eastern Orthodox, um, they have closed communion, so you can't take communion until you become a member. And I was like, this is a sign. God's like, nope, you found the church I want you to be at, but you're not good enough for it, and everybody else can see it. They're not going to let you take communion. I was crushed. I went through Easter not being able to take communion, and I was like, I'm being punished. Mm -hmm. I'm being punished because I'm not good enough, and I have to earn my way to this again somehow, but I don't know how, and maybe I'm... You know, too bad to figure it out. And then I think, you know, I'm thinking so
0: much about me. I must be a narcissist.
1: Then you panic. You're like, it's all gone.
0: Yeah. And when you're saying that, I'm thinking, um, I lost my train of thought, but if it comes back to me, I'll say. If it comes back, bless us. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks. I'm also kind of curious, like what made you stay at the churches you're at? Was it the church, the, the denomination, or was it the pastor? Was it the leadership? Like or is there a clear answer i'm just kind of curious you know
2: yeah for for me it was it wasn't just the pastor it was also like the other staff members at the church um like and of course the pastor was one of them like i noticed that when he spoke um during the service it was kind of the same way he spoke to people like when he wasn't up on stage and so he came across as very genuine and authentic And the rest of the staff members came across that way too. And also their, like, the way they talked, and sometimes different people will preach on Sundays. And it's like they were very careful to balance out everything that they were saying. Like, they would also be careful to say, like, okay, we're not saying from this passage that God is like this. Like, we're not saying God is distant. We're not saying that holiness means... Like, they would just explain everything so much better and help and it kind of helped balance up my thinking i think the fellowship drew me to my current
1: church because i really look for authenticity you know you grow up in an environment where there's so much inauthenticity that it's almost like you can smell it on people sometimes and i also had to learn to give more grace to people in that area of not everyone's going to be able to go deep and be themselves because they're also protecting themselves and if we don't know each other that's appropriate And there's not always a time and place to go deep and you have to talk about the weather but there (laughs) is something going on in churches that really got to me I call it greeter personality and you know there's this over exuberance about you being there when they don't even really know you and so I automatically distrust that when I walked into my current church though people were very much themselves they talked normally they greeted me normally they weren't afraid to admit they had issues but not in the way of look how humble i am talking about my issues in church it was a this is a place where we really are just people and we're talking about things and they also added on some of the same nuances And kind of prepared me to say, like, you know, we're going to mess up. This is a sinful place. If you hear something, this is what one guy said to me, if you hear something stupid said by someone in this church, come find out the rest of us. Because maybe that's just their day where they're doing something sinful and they said something stupid, but it doesn't represent everything. And they were just super welcoming to me um, from an authentic place.
0: Yeah, and um, so far for me, it's been the pastor because I am just now getting into it. I'm just now meeting people, um. But the pastor will, like you say, uh, overexplain nuances. So step away from the Bible and say like, "That was scripture. This is me. I make mistakes. Ask me." The kind of kind of the same things y'all are saying, and also acknowledging, um, people have used me talking about this passage to physically abuse their wives. And that's not what I'm saying. If that's happening to you, that's not okay. Come get one of us, um, saying like, we've done a poor job of explaining, you know, uh, parenting in, you know, the, the church. And so, um, if you could give me a clean slate, you know, just kind of talking about all of those things, um, has helped at least for me like I trust you enough to see about your church um is kind of where I'm at currently yeah so then getting into narcissism
1: since there's so much going on about it and what it is what what does it mean when you guys are talking about it how would you parse this out
2: well I think like for a for parents specifically like since that's our experience anyhow like it can be difficult to figure out is my parent narcissistic because of how like common that word has become and we kind of use that word to describe anyone who is a little bit selfish or doesn't listen to others very well but that's not really what we mean
0: by it yeah the way I like to explain it to others and to clients, um, and this is how my therapist explained it to me actually, um, is that narcissism is a scale. So you have on one side of the scale, narcissistic personality disorder, and that's when you would maybe label someone a narcissist. And then there's, you know, a really healthy, attuned, you know, person who's really in touch with themselves and they are also going to be on this scale because we're all a little bit selfish. Um, and a part of that is really helpful because we are thinking about us, how we relate in the world, that we matter. We're trying to protect ourselves all the time. Um, so that's a good thing, but that is also on the narcissistic scale. And so, um, I would even say my parent has really highly narcissistic tendencies and I w- still wouldn't say that they're in Um, so I think you can look at that scale and see that, like, people are on it on a range. But when you're getting, you know, more than 50 percent up to a full blown personality disorder, that's when um, you're dealing with narcissistic abuse, I would say. I don't know if y'all would say differently. or.
2: Yeah, there's like there's when it becomes a pattern of consistent behaviors when it's really a problem, like going back to an example of a parent like a parent who has a bad day and doesn't notice their child has a need that's not that's not a narcissistic parent that's not someone with highly narcissistic traits like even if they snap at their kids sometimes or they get impatient sometimes or they take take a little bit more me time than maybe necessary like that's okay and that's not really what we're talking about it's more like a consistent pattern of Neglect, not really recognizing their kids' needs, kind of like an all-about-me mentality, where if you were to take that away from them, they would almost cease to be themselves. It's kind of how they operate.
1: Yeah, I think with narcissism, there's a lot of um, messing it with just a selfish person. That's the definition that they kind of throw together. If you're self-centered, you're a narcissist. But really, when you're looking at a narcissist, you're looking at someone who doesn't really have much capability for empathy. You can have a self-centered person who feels sad for others. They may not care as much, but they they are able to kind of feel and interact with that emotion in a way beyond self-gain. Whereas a narcissist is starting to become someone who may understand emotion and can use it really well, but they don't have empathy. They don't have that kind of care of, I want to help and love and advance you as well as myself. It's, I want to advance myself at the expense of you. Is there any nuance you guys would add to that?
0: Yeah, I think I kind of see it as somebody who can't hold shame. So they're constantly looking for who they are to define their sense of self because they don't have a sense of self. And so you and everyone close to them is there, is themselves. So I kind of describe it as like, If I'm talking about a parent, like I am their arm. And if they're trying to get their own arm to do something and it's not doing that, they're going to get frustrated, pissed, use every tactic in the book to get their arm to do what they need it to do because you're not an individual person, you're a part of them. And then, secondly, I would say like they have an inability to hold shame um, because that, you know, narcissists are developed through their own developmental childhood trauma. And so um, they're trying to constantly displace shame onto everyone else. So the moment any of their shame is hit internally, they're using all the tactics tactics that you usually hear about, like gaslighting, flipping the script, emotional manipulation, to then make you hold shame for them um, because you're a part of them, right? So they don't see a difference. And that's kind of how I can describe the experience, the best of my ability that I feel like that really, you know, I understood that. Yeah.
1: Super nice. I really love how you explain that. That's really good. Um, I had someone once tell me that a narcissist, the way they're treating you is really how much they hate themselves. Mm -hmm. They can't take any bad thing into themselves. So they project it onto you and then they hate you. So really it's like a meta form of hating themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Would you
0: add anything Sam?
2: Um, I guess the only thing I would add to that is that, like, sometimes you'll have, like, a parent with highly narcissistic traits, and it seems like they're taking really good care of their kids, and, um, kind of going back to the covert abuse, but what's actually happening is their kids' needs just happen to align with what the narcissist wants for themselves, and so the fact that everyone's needs are getting met is kind of happening on accident almost whereas with with a parent who's not highly narcissistic they're going to be focused more on like what would most benefit their kid not all the time but they're going to think about it more and sometimes they may not have a very good idea of what would be most beneficial for their child like classic example is a parent who wants their kid to grow up being a football star like they were And the kid is like, no, I don't want to do that. But they're still trying to, like, do what they think would be best for their kids. Whereas the narcissist is not going to do that necessarily. But does that make sense?
0: Yeah, Yeah. totally. And I just want to clarify that we'll use a lot of different examples as time goes on. Because we're trying to explain an experience that's really confusing and oftentimes wordless to the best that we can. And so you might find yourself really relating with some examples and not so much with others. So I would just hold all that really loosely. It's also really important to acknowledge that something developmentally happened to the narcissist when they were a child or even maybe their grandparents, great-grandparents, if we want to get into epigenetics here. Um, But that something really hard or multiple things really hard, maybe abuse happened in the narcissist life to create this personality disorder. And so I think sometimes it's hard to hold both like they have had a really hurtful, chaotic, confusing impact and hold a lot of compassion for why they are the way they are. It's actually um, a coping strategy that developed as a child and it's no longer benefiting them as adult, but they haven't found some, found a way to like break that or switch it. So, um, i just kind of want to acknowledge that
2: i think that's great yeah because we're not saying that if a parent or someone is highly narcissistic that they are evil through and through and everything they do is terrible everything they do is bad like that's not what we're saying because even like even if you have someone like all the way over on the scale like you were talking about with npd like, there are going to be things about them that are great and things that other people enjoy, and, you know, they're still made in the image of God, even, even though they're having these struggles with shame.
1: Yeah, I do think that people tend to demonize uh, the people who hurt them, which is a natural response that you want to come back from a little bit, especially when we're talking about, you know, Christianity, spirituality. But also, just know if you're listening that if you're in the beginning of this process, what we don't want you to hear is oh I have to let them off the hook and not go through any of the anger or the sadness that I feel Mm -hmm. like no that's absolutely necessary this is a both and situation that we can acknowledge that they are people and they have positive traits and they are worthy and valuable and they are not you know demonic or anything like that like you were saying and you can also be incredibly upset and have to work through that you can accept someone's journey and how they got there and understand it without excusing using
0: their behavior Mm -hmm. yeah um and before we close today we kind of want to get into like what's to come in this podcast what is coming up um just kind of what are the types of things we're going to be covering and talking about so sam's going to do that for us
2: yeah we've got like a few different categories of things we want to talk about one of which is like relationship with god and and with that we'll cover things like is God a narcissist? Is it okay to express anger to God? Like, what does a trusting relationship with God look like? And then we'll also want to talk about, like, relationship with the church. Like, how do you cope with triggers at church? Um, how do you deal with, like, Mother's Day or Father's Day at church? How do you find support? Um, and then also, like, one's relationship with self. Like, am I a narcissist? That's a question that comes up a lot, especially with, um, people who grew up with narcissistic parents and then we'll also cover some like some things about scripture and doctrine like what really is humility in the bible like what is the difference between sin and shame and worthlessness how like how do we cope with different trauma messages that we end up automatically hearing when we hear about like different parts of doctrine or different passages in scripture
0: So to wrap it up, um, we want to have some consistency, some structure to our podcast. And we also want to acknowledge that the topics and kind of what we're talking about can activate or trigger, um, people. And so we just want to end with like a grounding, um, meditation or whatever it might be to kind of close it off, help you continue throughout your day. If you are driving while listening to this, um, maybe don't do it or do it when you (laughs) do it when you get to your destination or park or um, whatever. And yeah, so we'll get started. So have you just close your eyes or if you're driving, just think um, and breathe two deep breaths. And I want you to picture a library. So, this library holds the stories of humans in the world, and I want you to walk up to your library and open it. You have a special key that locks it and unlocks it whenever you need to go visit. As you unlock this library and you walk in, you see the person that's in charge of the library. There's a big counter. And you have to go through him to get to these people's stories. You can make a character up in your mind. It can be a spiritual figure that you believe in. It could be a character from a TV show that you really resonate with and trust. And just let him know that you're going to be browsing um, the stories and you'll let him know when you leave. And you're starting to walk up to the books and just kind of noticing different books with different people's names on them, different parts of their stories, their lives. And you get to a section where your story or your chapters are kind of in between everyone else's. And I want you to reach for a book that holds a chapter about a time that you were really sure of yourself, you were capable of. And pull that book off of the shelf, open it up, and as you're going through your story of this time that you were really capable, you had what you needed, you could trust yourself, you had that experience, take from it what you need for today to carry with you and leave in it what you don't. And whenever you feel like you've soaked up what you needed and those experiences, go ahead and shut the book. Put it back where you found it on the shelf. Let the owner of the library know that you're done for the day um, and that you're going to leave the key with him. And he's in charge of just making sure the stories are protected and honored and kept until you return. you can walk out of the library. And when you're ready, you can open your eyes and return to where you're at. And we hope you have a good rest of your day. And we're excited um, for you to come back in the episodes to come.
1: You know, I I really enjoyed that. And I had to keep myself on track because the first thing I thought was Beauty and the Beast Library. And the (laughs) owner had to, oh, it's the Beast. (laughs) And I had to go, wait, redo it, make my own. And then, um, I do, I feel a little bit more confident. So we, you know, if if this isn't your thing, you know, you can find a ton of these kinds of things on YouTube, but the cool thing about all three of us being therapists is we have a lot of these and we (laughs) will will keep bringing them back for you so that you can go on with your day.
0: Yeah. I do want to say that one was from Marshall Isles in Austin, Texas, and he might've gotten it from somebody, but that's where I experienced it the first time. So yeah. Okay. Bye.